Well, good morning. There was this elderly woman. She had four sons. They were very, very, very successful sons, but they all lived a different city away from their mother. Well, they got together shortly after Christmas, and they were discussing what they got their mother for Christmas. Well, the first son said, well, I bought Mama a great big house. The second brother said, well, I bought Mama a $100,000 media room for that house. Third brother says, well, I had a Mercedes 580 SEC delivered to her home. The fourth son said this, well, you know how Mama loves reading the Bible? Oh, she loves reading the Bible, but her eyesight's fading, so she, can't, she hadn't been able to read the Bible. Well, I came across a pastor who, who knows about this parrot, and this parrot can recite every single verse of the Bible. All you have to do is just give them the scripture reference, and the parrot will recite it. Now, it took 12 years, 20 pastors, to train this parrot. Now, to get this parrot, the brother had to pledge to give to the church $200,000 a year for the next 10 years. But all you had to do, just give it the scripture reference, and it would recite the Bible. Man, his brothers were impressed. Shortly afterwards, the mother wrote the, the four sons a thank you note. To the first son, she said, thank you for this big old house. I only live in one room, but I got to eat the whole thing clean. Thank you anyway. To the second son, thank you for this media room that holds 50 people. I don't have 50 friends. They're all dead. I've never used it. To the third son, thank you for the car. I don't go anywhere, and I have my groceries delivered. It sits in the garage. But to the fourth son, she said, oh, dearly beloved son, thank you. Thank you so much for putting so much thought in such a practical gift Thank you for that chicken. It was delicious. <laughs> well, what do you do with the gifts? What do you do with the resources that God gives you? Are, you? are you interested to know how Americans are spending their money today? Listen, they did an article on Time Magazine. Every single day, Americans purchase 7,500 LED Samsung TVs every day. Every day, 4 million movie tickets are purchased, 1.7 million songs from online platforms, 1.8 million rentals from Netflix, almost 1 million bags of Orville Redenbacher's gourmet popcorn purchased every single day, over 568,000 Titleist golf balls purchased every day. See where I'm going with this? 450,000 large French fries at Burger King. Over 190,000 bottles of absolute vodka purchased every single day in America. And 64 Mustangs on eBay every day. This shows what's important in our lives today. Now, we're in the middle of a series entitled Habits. And Pastor Rocky knew that he's going to be in Tanzania, so he asked me to preach at the beginning of the series. And so each week we're going through a different habit. Now, I knew the six habits when he asked me to preach. And I didn't say anything to him, but in my mind I was kind of thinking, Rocky, I don't mind preaching any one of the six habits, any one of them. But there's one I'd rather not preach. Anybody want to take a guess on what that one habit is that I'd rather not preach? <laughs> Y'all said it. Stewardship. We're talking about money. We're talking about giving. But let me tell you something. 
unapologetically, if you incorporate the habit of giving, it will absolutely change your life. Now, this morning, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9. We'll be going back and forth. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there or on your iPhone or, or iPad. And as you're doing that, I'm going to ask you a question. How do you view giving? How do you view giving? For some people, it's a burden. It's a punishment. It's an obstacle. Even when I mention the word giving, you feel a little uncomfortable. Hey, I work hard for my money. It's not easy to give it up, right? But it may not be just the the non-givers that may need a little tweak in their attitudes. It may be some of the givers, too. You may just give as a sense of duty to mark it off your list, but you don't get any enjoyment out of your giving. This morning, we want to be transformed. We want to be transformed from an attitude of greed to an attitude of generosity, from an attitude of giving grudgedly to an attitude of giving generously, from an attitude of stinginess to an attitude of sharing. Now, how do we do that? Well, the Bible teaches us this, that we should give out of grace. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. So what is grace? It's God's unmerited favor. It's God's undeserved love for each one of us. Pew Research just came out with a study a couple weeks ago. And in 1976, it concluded that there were 91% of Americans were Christians. Or at least called themselves Christians. 91%. 2022, 64% of Americans claim to be Christians. In the year 2070, they project for the very first time in our history as a country, we'll have less than half claim to be Christians. They say between 35 and 46% are going to be Christians. We're losing the war. We've rejected his authority. We've ignored his existence. Guys, our world has absolutely gone bonkers. But you know what? Christ still loves us. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners... While we were rebellious, Christ died for us. Think about this. Jesus Christ left the perfect place, heaven, and came to an imperfect world. And he says, hey, if you follow me, if you follow me, I will take all your sins. I will take your past sins. I'll take your present sins. I'll take your future sins. And I will go to the cross. I'll die on a cross. I'll pay the penalty of your sins. I'll beat death. I'll rise again. Jesus Christ is alive today. Amen? Amen. Then he turns to us and says this. It's yours. It's yours if you want it. Salvation, eternal life, plus hope and peace and joy. It's all yours. Jesus Christ paid it all. That's how much he loves us. That, my friends, is grace. Now, this is key. Don't miss this. Grace given. 
is one thing. What Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, that's one thing. Grace given. Grace received is another. That grace received, actually turning your life over to Jesus Christ, trusting your life with Jesus Christ. We're talking about salvation. That's another. But when you experience God's grace, it changes your perspective on everything. Let me be clear. When you discover the grace of God and you have that relationship with God, when, when you share that love for each other, He will give you the desire to give. Now this morning, I'm going to share with you three simple truths that prayerfully will change your perception about giving. The first truth is this. Choose to give in spite of your circumstances. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. It says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Now, the passage today is concerning two groups of people. You have these poor, persecuted Christians in Jerusalem. Now, why are they poor? Why are they persecuted? Because they're Christians in Jerusalem. See, at that time, when you prayed to receive Jesus Christ, you were ostracized. It came with a cost. You may have lost your job. You may have lost your home. You could have lost your family, all because of Jewish persecution. And then you had the Macedonian believers. Now, they were going through a difficult time, too. But they were very, very generous in supporting these new believers. Look at verse 2 again. It says, very severe trial, extreme poverty, but yet overflowing joy and rich generosity. There's no computer in the world can make that formula work. Let's look at it again. Severe trial plus extreme poverty plus grace. We know these Macedonians believed in Jesus Christ equals overflowing joy and rich generosity. Once you experience the grace of God, you'll never, ever, ever use difficult circumstances as an excuse for not giving. I've discovered this. It's a whole lot easier to give away something you don't have than what you do have. Let me explain. Have you ever thought to yourself, if only I had a million dollars, then I would. Or only, only if I made this much money, then I would begin to give. Understand this. If you wait for a convenient time to give, you will never give. John D. Rockefeller said this, I would have never been able to tithe my first million dollars I ever made if I had not tithed my first salary, which was $1.50 a week. Now, we all face difficult circumstances, but wouldn't you all agree that we're all blessed in here? Whether or not you make $1.50 a week or a million dollars a year, we're all blessed. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to look around. Just look around. Look at each other. We're blessed, are we not? Did you know if your family income is $10,000 a year, family income is $10,000 a year, that you're wealthier than 84% of the world? If your family income is $50,000 a year, you're wealthier than 99% of the world. We're blessed. This week, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to take a sheet of paper, 
and I want you to draw a line in the middle. And on the left side, I want you to write down all the things that God has given to you. All the things that God has given to you. For some of us, it's going to be pages long. And then on the, the right side of the paper, I want you to write down all the things that you give back to God. Don't you look at it. Are you being a sponge? Are you holding it for yourself? Are you being a conduit? Are you giving it away? I want you to pray about it. And then think, what needs to change in your life? The second truth, choose to give with an attitude of joy. It's a choice. Your attitude is a choice. Verse 3, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service of the Lord's people. Let's break this down. The Macedonian believers gave as much as they were able to the Christians in Jerusalem. Circle gave as much as they were able. They gave beyond their ability. Circle beyond their ability. They pleaded to give more. Circle pleaded. And they considered it a privilege to give. Circle privilege. Wow. Man, that's an incredible church, is it not? I know this. When we give ourselves to God, we have no, no problem whatsoever giving our resources to God. When we give ourselves to God, we have no problem giving ourselves to others. Because you cannot, you cannot love God and ignore the needs of others. Giving people, they're not grumpy people. Think about it. Giving people, they're not grumpy. If you ever come across a grumpy, mean-spirited, cantankerous person, chances are they've never experienced the joy, the privilege of giving. Now, when you give with this attitude of joy, it allows you to give four different ways. The first way, it allows you to give generously. The Macedonians gave beyond their ability, and they pleaded to give more. Now, they were facing difficult times, too. They were literally scraping the bottom of the barrel. And I'm sure that their kids needed braces. I'm sure that they had unexpected doctor bills. I'm sure that their car broke down. But they gave. And in spite of difficult circumstances, they gave generously. Did y'all hear about the $100 bill who met the $1 bill at the bank? True story. Well, the $1 bill asked the $100 bill. He says, so where, where have you been? Well, the $100 bill says, man, I've been everywhere. I've been on some of the finest cruises. I've eaten at some of the finest restaurants. I've seen some of the best shows on Broadway. I've had a blast. He said, where have you been, dollar bill? Dollar bill said, well, you know, same old thing. Church, church, church. That's sad, but it's probably true. When you choose this attitude of joy, it also allows you to give expectantly. Look at chapter 9, verse 6. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will reap generously. Now, we don't give just to get from God. Kind of like a heavenly bribery. I'm not teaching a prosperity gospel. 
But the Bible is very, very, very clear that when you give generously, you can expect great blessings. For an Old Testament example, look no further than Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see that I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. In the New Testament, Jesus Christ said this, Luke chapter 6, verse 38, give and you'll receive. Your gift will return to you in full. The amount you give will determine the amount that you get back. Now, these blessings may not be monetary. In fact, they probably won't be. But let me ask you a question. What's a, what's a rich marriage worth to you? What's a rich relationship with your kids, with a rich relationship with your family and friends? What's it worth knowing your purpose in life? What's it worth being the center of God's will? Generosity brings great blessings. When you're filled with this attitude of overflowing joy, it also allows you to give willingly. God is more interested in your attitude than your amount. Verse 12 says, for if the willingness is there, your gift is acceptable according to what you have not according to what you don't have. Did you get that? It's according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. When God looks at your giving, he's not impressed with the amount. He's more impressed with the sacrifice. He's more impressed with your heart. Chapter 9, verse 7, it says, Each one should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under pressure. Uh, can I give relieve just a little bit of guilt from you guys? Never, never give under pressure. If you feel under pressure to give, don't give. Because that's not the type of gift God is looking for. You never give to make up a church deficit. Don't do it. You give because God says to give. See, it's not for the church's benefit. It's for your benefit. Amanda Woods. I love her. I love her a lot. She's here every single Sunday morning. She sits right there. She happens to have Down syndrome. She works part-time every Thursday at Shoney's. Been doing it for a long time. And do you know what? She loves to give. She takes her envelopes. She puts cash in it, same amount, hands it in. She loves to give. She works at Shoney's part-time, and she tithes. I know this, too. On her birthday, she may receive a card in the mail and have a little bit of cash in it. You know, if I got cash, I'm thinking, hey, what am I going to buy? You know what she thinks? First thing she thinks is, wow. I can give more to the church. Let me ask you a question. In God's eyes, what do you think her tithes are worth? They're priceless. Priceless. Now, what if everybody in our church had a heart to give like Amanda? 
what would our church look like? Wow. Thank you, Amanda. Oh. It's not about equal gifts. It's about equal sacrifice. How many in here have children? Raise your hand. Leave them. High. High. Don't put them down. How many people in here at one point in your life was a child? Raise your hand. <laughs> Most everybody. All right. You can put your hands up. This, you might be able to relate then. Have you ever taken your child to McDonald's and you bought your kid a Happy Meal and you sit down to eat your Happy Meal and you reach over and grab one of your kid's fries? What happens? Pow! Get your hands off my fries. And then you think about it a little bit. Listen, you little snot. Well, well, that's what I was thinking. Listen. Hey, I bought you that Happy Meal. That Happy Meal technically belongs to me. In fact, you're my kid. You belong to me. Now, before you get mad at that kid and you threaten, I'll never buy you another piece of food the rest of your life, think about this. That's what we do to God. God owns everything. But when he asks for a tithe, we figuratively slap his hand and say, keep your hand off my money. There was a story of a, an old woman. She went grocery shopping. And uh, she finished her shopping. She goes out to her car. And guess what? There were four men in her car. Boy, she drops her groceries. She pulls out a gun, and she points to those guys, says, I got a gun. Get out of my car. I had to use it. Man, those guys didn't ask for a second invitation. They got up, and they ran like crazy. Well, she was shaking up a little bit. She gets her groceries. She puts them in the back seat. She was trying to get the key in the ignition. She was scared and just, just nervous. She couldn't get the key. She couldn't do it. Now, how was she shot? She couldn't do it. Then, it, then it. then it dawned on her. This wasn't her car. She had parked four spaces over. She takes her groceries, she puts them in the car, and she drives to the police station to turn herself in. As she's talking to the sergeant at the front desk, he is dying laughing about to fall off his stool, and he points to them to the counter. There were four men reporting a carjacking from a little old lady with thick glasses carrying a big gun. The point is this. She thought that car belonged to her, but it didn't. It belonged to someone else. We think our money, our lives, belong to us, but they don't. They belong to God. Everything we own belongs to God. How much? Everything. Say it one more time. Everything. He just allows us to use it while we're here. When you're filled with this attitude of joy, it also allows you to give cheerfully. Second part of verse 7 says, God loves a cheerful giver. Now, the Greek word for cheerful is where we get the word hilarious. When the New Testament church gave, it was hilarious. It was fun. When we talk about giving... Man, it's the low point of the service. Let me tell you something. 
if you cannot give with an attitude of cheer, don't give. Again, that's not the type of gift God wants. The Bible says this, it's more blessed to, to give than receive. It's more blessed to than Do you believe that? Boy, I do. You do too. I love giving away my money. Don't you? Somebody like, wait a minute. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. Think about it. When I go on vacations, what am I doing? I'm giving away my money and I'm having fun. When I go to dinner, I'm giving away my money to have fun. When I go to a movie, I'm giving away my money. What am I doing? I'm having fun. We just, we just had Christmas last month. Did you guys not have fun buying gifts for your friends and family? What are we doing? We're giving away our money to have fun. 35 years ago, I met a young lady. When I met her, whew, my heart went pitter-patter. I knew I was going to marry her. And I saved and I saved and I saved until I had enough money to buy a ring. Man, I went to the jewelry store. I went and bought that ring. I put it in my pocket. I couldn't wait to give it to her. But I'm, I'm a romantic. I said, I'm going to do something so special for her. I'm going to rent out the scoreboard at williams Bryce Stadium and say, Honey, will you marry me? And they'll be on camera and I'll be on one knee and give it to her. Oh, I'm thinking big dreams. I said, Maybe, maybe we, we'll, we'll, we'll all go to the beach and have a plain honey. Will you marry me? And then I'll get in the sand and hand her a ring. I mean, I'm thinking all kind of just romantic things to do for, for my wife, my future wife. And so that afternoon, after going to the jewelry store, I go over to her house and said, my pocket. And it was a burning a hole in my pocket. I said, hey, honey, how you doing? I pulled out my pocket and said, will you marry me? <laughs> We're still married today. I God bless her. My point is this, is when you love somebody, it's easy to give away your money. And as much as you love your spouse, as much as you love your family, as much as you love your friends, God loves you infinite, infinite times more. First truth. Choose to give in spite of your circumstances. Second truth, choose to give with an attitude of joy. The third and final truth is this. Understand that when you give, it's an opportunity to be like Jesus. Chapter 8, verse 5, it says, And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want you to, to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. And so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. 1 John 3 16 through 18 says it this way. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, 
And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us love with words. Not, let us not love with words or tongue, but with action and truth. There's no greater opportunity in the world to be like Jesus than when we give. If you ask me who I want to be like, I, I, I want to be like Jesus. If you ask me who I want my family to be like, without reservations, I want my family to be like Jesus. If you ask me who I want my family here at Northside to be like, I want you to be like Jesus. To have a heart like his. To be concerned about the things he's concerned about. To be passionate about the things he's passionate about. Mother Teresa, she was in uh, Australia and they assigned her a gopher and assistant. While she was there, this, this assistant was so excited to be around Mother Teresa. He was so excited what he could learn from her. He could ask questions and, and he was just elated. Well, very short of the trip, he got very frustrated because although he was around her all the time, he never got to ask her any questions. So the next day, she was scheduled to fly out to New Guinea. He goes up to Mother Teresa and says, Mother Teresa, if I buy a plane ticket to New Guinea, can I sit beside you and I can ask you questions and learn from you? And she said, wait a minute, you have enough money to buy a plane ticket to New Guinea. He goes, yes, I do. He said, take that money, give it to the poor. You'll learn more from that than anything I can tell you. God receives great joy in giving to us, right? Think about it. What has he given you? Well, we've already decided that God's given us his son, Jesus Christ. That's not some ordinary. That's not a cheap gift, is it? He gave us his very best. He gave us forgiveness of sins. He gave us salvation. He gave salvation free of charge. He's given us this gorgeous family that we call Northside. He's given us so many blessings. Blessings that you or I, we can't even count. Blessings that we don't deserve. Shortly after World War II ended, Europe was, was an absolute disaster. One of the saddest things that you'd see in, in Europe was just the little orphans that were homeless and they were hungry. There was a soldier that was coming back to his barracks in London and he saw this little orphan boy. His, uh, his nose was pressed up against the window of a pastry shop. This little boy was watching donuts being kneaded as the baker's kneading the the dough. Well, the soldier drives up, gets out of the Jeep, walks behind the little boy. At that time, the baker was taking a, a, some fresh donuts and putting them in the window. You could see the steam. You could see the heat coming off the donuts. The little boy literally was salivating. And he let out a groan. He says, mm. Well, the soldier's heart went out for this little boy. He says, son, would you like some of those donuts. And the little boy says, oh, more than anything else. So he goes into the 
the pastry shop, buys a little boy a dozen donuts, walks outside, hands the donuts to the little boy. So there you go, son. And turns around and walks away. The little boy chased him down, grabbed him by his jacket, pulled on it. He says, he says sir, are you God? You see, we're never more like God than when we give. For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. Let's say that verse together, the most quoted verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but what? Have eternal life. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Father, thank you for just the joy you give us, the peace you give us, the hope that we have in you. And Father God, most of all, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Because through him, we can spend eternity, eternity with you. And Father God, I know this is a message on good stewardship. It's a message on giving. But God, it's so much bigger than that. It's about that relationship with you. Everything that we do comes from that relationship with you. Everything. A great marriage, a great, a great family life, a great life. So Father God, I know that there may be someone in here that has never experienced the, the absolute joy of, of giving their life to you. It's pretty simple. All you have to do is admit you're a sinner. The Bible's very clear. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. So we have to admit we're a sinner. Ask forgiveness of that sin. You're very, very clear, Father, that you're faithful, you're just. Father, you'll forgive us of those sins. Cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We have to believe. We have to believe what? That Jesus Christ came to this earth, died on a cross, so that we can have eternal life with you. The other thing, just surrender our lives to you. Just commit our lives to you. Just give you everything. Make your part in our lives. If you're here this morning and you feel Jesus Christ pulling, tugging at your heart, pray this simple prayer. Father God, I am a sinner. Forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross just for me. I want to surrender my life to you. I want to give you everything. You're my priority. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, the Bible's very, very clear. 